Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Let's have all the, oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm going to steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramont Plus. What's up, loves? Welcome to Self Care in Real Life, a podcast where we obsess over giving women the tools that they need to choose happiness and create more joyful moments. I am your host, best selling author and lifestyle blogger, Ty Alexander, and I'm basically your new wellness hype girl. So, welcome to the party. <laughs> Before we take a deep dive into today's episode, I want to remind you to please be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes if you've enjoyed the podcast so far. For my faithful listeners who are used to ad-free podcast episodes, we now have them for you over on our exclusive membership community on Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash self-care IRL. In addition to the ad-free podcast episodes, you will also find all of the gems that I have created for you to help you cultivate life-shifting healing experiences. So let's get right into today's episode. Last week, I was trying to think about like what new episode I was going to do, and I was just racking my brain, and it, it led me down the rabbit hole of like my story and how far I've come, and I thought about like where this started, like where self-care in real life came from, and it came from my book. That was the first time that I actually sat down and really unpacked my feelings and really you know, thought about where my healing, you know, what what direction I wanted my healing journey to go. Um, and for those who don't know, back in 2016, I wrote a book entitled uh, Things I Wish I Knew Before My Mom Died. Um, and it is just that. It's just my, my mental of the things that I really did wish I thought of or knew um, before she had died, things that I hope to have done. Um, and, and I was able to do a little of those things, but I thought it was cool. I or would be cool rather. Um, I did this in episode 14. I read a chapter of the book um, and I thought, Let, let's revisit that. So for this episode, we are going to read uh, chapter three, The Art of Losing. I also wanted to read this because a lot of you know, whoever has listened to the audio uh, book know that it is not my voice. <laughs> um, the lady who reads it, I think her name was Joyce, I want to say, can't remember. Um, she does an amazing job kind of capturing the inflections of my voice and the humor of the book. Um, but it is d indeed not me. And a lot of people always message me and say, I got the audio book and I was so disappointed that it wasn't you. The long story, the short long story is, um, I knew nothing about writing a book. I was very naive, very green, um, thought deadlines were mush, whatever, F your deadline, who cares? I'm gonna get it to you when I get it to you. And so because of that, I got my manuscript and a little bit later than I not, I'm sorry, a lot bit later <laughs> than I was supposed to, which then just threw back dates and threw back things that I was able to do. And I didn't even factor in that the manuscript had to be in by a certain time for my voice to actually be 
um, the person reading the audiobook. And so for the next book, whenever that comes, I will make sure that I am the voice of it. And maybe we can talk to the publisher to see if we can do like an updated um, audiobook for that. But anyway. I love when low effort action brings a massive benefit. That's what it's like when you start hiring with Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring partner that can help you do it all. Find great talent faster through time-saving tools like Indeed Instant Match, assessments, and virtual interviews. When you sponsor an Indeed post, you're 4.5 times more likely to get a hire according to Indeed data worldwide. What I love about Indeed is that when you sponsor a job listing, you only have to pay if an applicant meets the requirements you set. And Indeed is doing something no other job site has done. Now with Indeed, businesses only pay for quality applications matching the sponsored job description. Visit Indeed.com slash self-care IRL to start hiring now. Just go to Indeed.com slash self-care IRL. Indeed.com slash self-care IRL. Terms and conditions apply. Need a hire? You need Indeed. Without further further ado, further, without further ado, <laughs> this is chapter three, The Art of Losing. Somewhere around my mom's second round of chemotherapy, I learned the difference between pain and suffering. My grief has taught me that you can experience pain without having to experience suffering. Pain is inevitable. Suffering is optional. Pain is just a part of nature. Suffering is the pain married with constant resistance. I believe that if you are truly facing adversity and you're struggling to process your grief, you have to allow yourself to end the suffering. You have to be okay with the fact that you might be always in pain because of your loss. And to always have pain in your life doesn't mean that you are suffering or that you have to suffer. Your acceptance does not equal approval. This was one of my very first lessons I learned after my mom died. Believe it or not, we all choose to experience every emotion we go through. We all choose to be happy. We all choose to be excited. We choose to be fearful. We all choose to be mad. But pain is a feeling that happens as a result of something traumatic happening. And I use that word really loosely. Suffering is the emotional reaction we choose to let happen as a result of our pain. The spoiled little girl in me would love to tell you that you could stop pain from ever infesting your life. I'd also like to tell you that those unicorns and fairies are real and not just fictitious characters in our bedtime lies that we tell to our children. The truth is that pain is normal. And no matter how much you think you can shelter your heart, you will always experience some level of pain. It's a part of being a human being. On a very basic level, when you fall, you hurt your leg, you feel pain. The next part of your journey should be learning how to repair the pain. 
but instead often we throw suffering into the mix of our emotions. Suffering is all those icky layers we put on top of our pain for it to make sense to our brains. It's the, I can't believe this happened to me again, or this is the kind of stuff that only happens to me. That, my beloveds, is suffering. It's the absurd commentary our voices and our heads recite to us frequently enough that we start to believe that it's true. And because we're humans and feelings rule the world, we think that the story or the suffering is the most important part of the journey instead of owning the emotion and moving forward. Watching my mom go through chemotherapy was beyond difficult because I knew that she was in a lot of pain. There were times she couldn't even see. The tumors had spread to above her eye and she woke up one morning and she couldn't open her eye. And when she could see, everything tasted like what she called a brand new shiny quarter. If you're familiar with cancer, you know that the taste starts to taste like metal. During the last four months of her life, she wasn't eating anything at all. And this part is a little graphic. Um, she was releasing decades worth of fluid that was still in her body. Yet somehow she refused to suffer and managed to smile through her pain. She had been in the hospital for a few weeks and I had to make sure that the nurses knew about my mom's special conditions. They weren't like anything really special. They were just all the things that typically the night nurses who don't make a lot of money would forget or purposely look over because they were paid in peanuts and fairy dust. Before I leave each night, I leave a note on, the, on her chart with every detail the nurses needed to know. She hated jello. She wanted lots of ice chips and no water because she knew the nurses weren't coming back for hours. And so she let the ice melt. And the most important note that I highlighted and capitalized was, if you can't get the IV in, please call her doctor. My mom's veins were teeny tiny, so they often like to play hide and go seek with the nurse's needles. I made sure to explain that to everybody. And this wasn't the cancer, it's just genetics because my veins are just a disrespectful. And that disrespect makes it really hard to put IVs in. One day I walked in on a very frustrated, near irate nurse struggling with my mom's wrist. Now be clear, I basically freaked out. My mom, on the other hand, was not. At least not enough for me, as far as I was concerned. And if she planned on freaking out, it was taking her way too long to do so. I said, let's give my mom's arms a rest. You can come back a little later. I said this in the snappiest, most demissive voice I could find deep in my soul. But my mom, who was a part of the kind folks crew, smiled through her pain and said, it's okay, let's give it one more try. That one more try turned into a messy, bloody failure and lots of redness on my mom's wrist. There was blood all over her pillows that I just brought from home, on the hospital sheets, all in her hair. We joked about it later that evening as I tried to tackle cleaning up the dried up blood from my hair. Jokes and laughter were how my mom dealt with her pain. She wasn't a big fan of suffering, never was. My mom was a it is what it is or it's going to be what's going to be type of person. And that's how she parented us. She didn't understand complaining a lot of suffering. It was some years after Pebble had died and I was all in my feelings again. 
I had had another kitty panic attack, wishing I'd had had my bird back again. I was hyperventilating while stomping up and down our hallway, pouting and basically letting my thug tears win again. My mom was in the middle of cleaning up, so I kind of knew I was in the way and bothering her Sunday routine, but I wanted my bird back. When I walked past her for the umpteenth time, she slammed the mop in the bucket of water and softly screamed, listen, the bird is gone. There's nothing you can do about it. There's nothing I can do about it. Please, you have to stop thinking about that bird and move on. Simple, you hear me? When she got mad, her words shook me to the core. So I sadly nodded and moved on to play with my kid sister doll because one, I refused to willingly subject myself to beatings. I knew that if the next step, I could keep her from trying her patience. And two, she was right. I knew I wanted to prioritize my gut health this summer and set myself up for having good energy throughout the days. But I didn't want to sacrifice my time. And with Athletic Greens, I don't have to. Every morning, I wake up and have my scoop of AG1 in a glass of water and go about my regular morning routine. It tastes like a workout in a bottle, but in a refreshingly good way. It contains less than one gram of sugar and costs you less than $3 a day. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplicants to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is giving you free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packets with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash TY. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash TY to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Suffering is like a form of self-induced torture that we allow our minds to consume. Not surprisingly, some of us do this on a daily basis. I could sit and think about how much I miss my mom and how we didn't get to spend more time together before she died, but I will always miss her. That is a fact that I cannot change. My mom was 58 when she died. She won't get to see me do many things. She's missing what I think are my best years. She didn't see me get married. She didn't she didn't see my son graduate from high school. She won't read my first book. There's so many she won'ts that I could focus on. And honestly, I'm not perfect at this grieving thing. But you know why I can't let myself suffer? I've been so afraid that if I allow myself to suffer, to constantly think about the she won'ts, I won't be able to remember the great parts of our world. And oh my gosh, we had so many great parts. There was our family movie nights. They were always epic to me, mainly because of the comedic relief my parents love for movies and sleep offered up for us. Both of them would fall asleep and somehow magically wake up whenever me and my brother tried to change the channel. 
I really wish that social media was around back then because that battle should have been captured and shared with the internet. I think it would have went viral. On special Saturdays, and my mom declared which ones they were, we'd spend nearly an hour driving to dinner in Delaware. Delaware was where the closest malls and restaurants were from us. And even though my dad dreaded the drive, that's where we would spend our Saturdays whenever my mom asked us to go out to dinner. My mom loved Red Lobster and my dad loved my mom. It's those moments that keep me from letting pain transition into suffering. And because of that, suffering just isn't an option for me. And it shouldn't be for you either. Suffering takes up valuable real estate that my memories have already claimed. But after I finally taught myself how to stop suffering, I still had work to do. I had to stop feeling guilty. I had to release myself from the burden of guilt that most mourners carry whenever someone they love dies. Every once in a while, I replay the last argument that my mom and I had. We fussed over who would cook the big ziti for dinner, her or me. I know, I know. Replaying this moment in my head is totally suffering, and I said we shouldn't do this. But I promise you that all the things I tell you to do or not to do in this book are really just reminders for me. I'm pretty sure that my mom secretly thought I could not cook, which is fair and kind of semi-accurate assumption since she never really showed me how to cook. I can do the basics of any cooking 101 class. My mom not teaching me how to cook really wasn't her fault. She just couldn't. She adored doing things for us. Her goal was to spoil my dad, my brother, and me. Family was her first priority. She always had to take care of her family, and cooking was one of her duties. So I grew up watching my mom cook. But all I ever could do was cut the vegetables using her as-seen-on-TV cutting board thingy, boil and peel some eggs, or hand her things out of her lazy Susan cabinet. Even though I wanted to help, she never let me. Because she was a control freak and had to do things her way all the time. I was her little sous chef. Since all I ever did was watch her cook, I knew everything that there was to know about how my mom cooked. I was always amazed at how things tasted the same every single time, even though she didn't use measuring cups or cookbooks. I adapted her methods, and as an adult, I know it's cooking by taste. She'd add a pinch of this or that, and if it didn't taste right to her or me or my dad, She'd add some more of this or more of that. She knew exactly how to cook all the things she liked, like big ziti. We were weeks into her being home with hospice. I could tell that she was tired. She had tried cooking and cleaning the day before and failed. She was getting to the point where sitting up was almost a struggle for her. Cooking for her family was out of the question. I decided that I wanted to cook dinner for us. I was in the kitchen cutting up the vegetables and cooking the ground beef when she stormed in. Unlike her, I was a multitasker. What are you doing? She screamed. I'm like, duh, mom, I'm cooking. But I'm still her child. So this was just a thought. I dared not to disrespect her even in my 30s. I mustered up a loose version of a sweet and polite voice and said, I'm making big ziti for dinner. 
As my lips let go of the last word, I instantly thought to myself, this will be an argument. I try to get a hold on it like I did with most of our arguments, but this one was different. I almost felt like my mom knew this would be the last argument we'd ever have. So now yelling, she's yelling. And I'm, I'm fighting back tears. She's still yelling. My voice, my voice starts to tremble as I spit out my reasoning for why I can do this. I feel like a dumb, over-emotional teenager. Like, ma'am, I just baked ZD. But then she hits below the belt and pitifully says, I might not be here this time next year. It was like she was performing at her last show and she dropped the mic and shashayed off the stage. This hurt my entire gut and her words snatched my soul from my body. But as soon as she put the period on her sentence, my mom went back into the living room and laid down in her hospital bed, almost like nothing had happened, like she had won. Meanwhile, I fought off my thug tears with all the energy I had left inside. I was unsuccessful. I had had a breakdown over Cracker Barrel white cheddar cheese and organic noodles. We had lots of arguments, but... I replay this one in my head a lot because it represents how damaging my guilt can be to me. When guilt appears during grieving, it's normal yet unnecessary. It's just an emotional response. We have this perception that we've somehow failed in what we think our duties or obligations are to be to the person who has died. Yes, it was just big CD, but that argument represented every dispute we'd ever had. And now that she was dying, none of them were ever worth it. She was right. That could have been our last argument, and it was. So I walked into the living room, ready to apologize. It was the first time I really told her how much I loved her, and I didn't want her to die. I mean, I had just found my footing in life and I was starting to create a space of my own in this world. And now she was leaving me and I had to figure this out all by myself. I mean, it was just last week that I had decided to even grow up, even though I was 36 years old. Adulting was really new to me and I was eager to show my mom that I knew what I was doing, that I could do this by myself. My mom was going to miss so much of my new adult life. I also finally fessed up to what I think she already knew, that huge part of my life was vivid and resentful, that waited so long to seek treatment. Do you deal with stress and anxiety throughout your day? Do you find yourself on your phone constantly? Stop checking social media and pop open the Abide app to ease your mind. Abide is the number one Christian meditation app. For a limited time, our listeners will get 25% 
off of a premium subscription when you visit abide.co slash self-care. Abide users report less stress, lower levels of anxiety and depression, and better sleep. You can start your day with meditation or end your day with a bedtime story. Even if you feel like you have no time in your day, there are meditations as short as two minutes that can fit into the busiest of schedules. Get started now with 25% off a premium subscription by downloading the Abide app at abide.co slash self-care. You'll get additional stories and meditations, premium music, soothing sounds, and more. Support this show and get 25% off by going to abide.co slash self-care. That's A-B-I-D-E dot C-O slash self-care to download the Abide app and get 25% off your premium subscription. My mom knew that something was wrong, but she let fear invade her better judgment She had been unusually tired and sick since the beginning of that year. She would always say that she just wasn't feeling right. How many of your loved ones have said that? I told her to go to the doctor so many times, I almost begged her. And when she finally did, she had stage four lymphoma and I was so emotional. I blurted all of that out too. And then I wiped my tears from my face and ended our argument with a reminder of how salty I was because she lied to me about that damn bird. Looking back, I now know that that part of the argument with my mom, that season of judgment-free conversation was exactly what I needed not to feel the burden of guilt. In a time where she was at her most vulnerable and I was to be completely transparent with her. And I believe that it meant just as much to her as it did to me. Just like you, I've had my share of what ifs, should have, could have, what if I had done better job at this fill in the blank. Sometimes I wonder if I should have just let her cook that big ziti. But the truth is, I did the very best I could under the circumstances. Even at my worst, it was all I had left to contribute to our journey. And I had to believe that or I'd torture myself with, you know, 2020 hindsight, which we all know proves absolutely nothing. Unfortunately, we do a lot of that kind of thinking in the beginning of our grief. So take this advice as gold. If you can be truly honest with yourself and your loved one, the letting go process won't be nearly as long. I'm going to stop the read here because if you noticed um, while I was reading that I got a little emotional Um, I realized that this is one of this is the chapter that took me the longest to write this is a chapter that affected me the most Um, that that was actually the first time I had reread it actually in the six years that I've written that book Um, and as I skim the next few paragraphs it's going to be even harder for me to read. So I'm going to let you go buy the book. <laughs> you can find it on Amazon. It's the quickest place on Amazon. Uh, Barnes and Noble's anywhere books are sold. It is again, it's called things I wish you knew before my mom died. Um, but I'm gonna leave you with this at the end of the chapter. I write things to repeat to yourself. 
Um, and number one is that pain is a built-in feature that comes free of charge. There's no escaping it. So don't curate your life story around setbacks. Instead, intentionally tell a story of unruly happiness. Two, realize that when you are caring for the terminally ill, what you give at any given moment is your 100%. Don't let the guilt suffocate you. Number three, politely decline the love you can't handle from your friends and family and grieve on your own terms. Thank you so much for joining me today. I am incredibly grateful for our connection. Thank you for for just leaning into these hard conversations with me. And a special thank you to those of you who are here every week faithfully listening and supporting the podcast. If you'd like to continue our conversations or you just have a story that you want to share, please consider joining our community. Log on to patreon.com slash self-care. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com slash self-care IRL. And if you've enjoyed this episode, do me a favor and submit your review on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you are listening to me today. Also, I kind of think you like me, so go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you can be the first to get new episodes each and every Monday. And I want to encourage you to share this episode on IG Stories, Twitter, Facebook. Just do you go a favor and share it so we can keep the conversations going. And when you do share it, make sure you tag me at Ty Alexander and at Self Care IRL. Again, thank you so much for listening today. I enjoyed you. And until next time, toodles.